Beneath our feet are the bodies of the richest families in Victorian Reading. Here, and stretching all out down that way towards the traffic lights there, and back away from the road too. Established in 2020 during the COVID pandemic, Baker Street Productions is now celebrating 30 years of creativity in Reading. In this landmark year of 2050, as the town celebrates its 20th carbon neutral year and the opening of a new heritage arts hub. And with the Oxford Road itself preparing for the Silver Jubilee of King William V, we team up with the West Reading-born journalist Amanda Halliday to bring you the stories of Reading's most vibrant area. Welcome to the Oxford Road. Number two, Holy Trinity Chapel. This was the first English chapel ever to be photographed. Uh, Amanda, do you remember that little detail from our emails to one another? The, the picture in the V&A? Well, that was taken by a guy named George Fox Talbot, who was one of the first commercial photographers in Britain. He had his studio on Baker Street in the 1840s, uh, number 55, and his photographs of Reading are in museums all around the world. The chapel itself was built in 1826, over a giant hole in the ground. Why was there a giant hole? Well, as I understand it, in the early 19th century, the Oxford Road was just a long lane going out to Pangbourne, and they surfaced it with gravel from a pit at the bottom of Russell Street, here. Some entrepreneurial vicar called George looked at it and thought, my, that's a handy place to lay a crypt. <laughs> He paid for a whole construction out of his own pocket and made a tidy sum selling burial plots in the vault to the rich families round here. The chapel was originally quite dainty, as I gather, but that big, tall roof and front facade were added in uh, 45, and that's what Fox Talbot photographed. The High Anglican Parish has been here since then, since the beginning, and the Romanian Orthodox community moved in to share it in 2018. You're an Orthodox Christian now, but... You weren't always, am I right? That's right, yeah. I was raised an Anglican, but not in Reading. My mum was heavily involved in the church, one of those ladies who arranges the flowers, doing bits and bobs around our village church. She was always smoking. She used to say it kept her hay fever from getting bad. She just loved setting flowers out for people. I think it did a lot for her as well as the community. And it was a lovely way to grow up. I was one of five in a pretty small house, so whenever my mum brought us along to the church, we could, uh, you know, muck about, play church pew Pac-Man. I got a bit more involved with the actual services. I got older, an altar server and a reader. Churches have always had a very homely feel to them for me for this reason. And whatever the denomination, there's always a sense of community. Was Sunday Mass important to you when you were younger? Oh, come rain or shine, yep. Always there. Let's keep going, Amanda. I'll show you in. This door here. Oh, that smells like a church. <laughs> yeah, that's a staple, that. The church musk. Right. So, the first thing you notice when you come in here is... The screen! Oh, the screen, yeah. Really a wonderful bit of decoration, that. Apparently there was nothing there, not before the late 20th century. But the vicar at the time rescued it from a church in Birmingham. They were going to scrap it. Why? The 70s was a strange time. 
I was friendly with the guy who was redecorating the chapel in, uh, I think, 2019 or 2020, and he said it took him two weeks to strip the paint, the balcony struts back, to the wood underneath. Only, upon closer inspection, did he realise that the grain was just a very believable veneer, and underneath was just some cheap plywood or chipboard. <laughs> Authenticity didn't matter so much back then, perhaps. Mind you, we almost lost the screen ourselves a few years ago. It was probably the same. The church didn't have the money to repair it, and they were going to get rid of it. So, the Anglicans and the Orthodox Christians all came together, put on a series of fundraisers and jumble sales, bits like that, and we managed to make a lot of dough to get it fixed back up again. It would have been a shame to lose it. Oh, yeah, it really would. It's a really lovely piece, that. And what drew you to the Orthodox Mass? Well, uh, it was a long time ago. Uh, Fifteen years? Yeah, about 2035, maybe. Yeah, when I converted. Although I was attending before I took my first catechesis class to become a catechumen. <laughs> I became landlord of the Nags in 32, and I thought it'd be nice to open the pub to parishioners for tea and biscuits after Mass. We all sort of had to hover round outside to have a chat. There wasn't anywhere to park yourself and catch up, and it was blooming cold sometimes. <laughs> I extended this invitation to the Orthodox community, who have service after us, and yeah, it was a pretty big success. And it meant that I became very friendly with some of the Orthodox members. It's one of the only remaining Orthodox masses for sort of 50 miles. People come from as far as Heathrow and Southampton, and almost Swindon, and they definitely appreciated the chance to relax after Mass. That was around the same time our organ player at the Anglican Mass was retiring from her musical duties. Which is also when you took over the role. Oh, that's right, Amanda. I had piano lessons as a kid, but I was a bit rubbish, you know. Didn't practice as often as I should. I was so much more interested in the church organ. Something so grand. Our old organist... He helped out after services, too, with my mum, and was happy to teach me. I started taking lessons when I was 11 or 12. Oh, this tiny kid filling these vast spaces with grand noise from the pipes. Once I started, I never stopped playing. The feeling is incredible. But Orthodox Christians don't use any sort of musical instruments in their services. Yeah, that's right. So that couldn't have been what drew you to Orthodoxy. Well, in a way, it sort of was. As I said earlier, the Orthodox parishioners used the nags after their service and were always so friendly. I was quite excited to be the new organist. I told them, you know, I'm the new organist for the Anglican service. A friend of mine, Gabriel, sort of looked at me with misunderstanding, like we don't do any of that sort of stuff. I was shocked. How can you have a mass without music? <laughs> But the priest, Father John, he was so passionate and so welcoming, I just felt like that was what I needed, really. I mean, every denomination worships in its own way, and Father John's compassion encouraged me to establish my roots there. Regardless of the language barrier? Oh, regardless, yeah. <laughs> you pick it up quickly, especially if you know the Mass. The first time I tagged along, my friend Gabriel said to me, he said... The human voice is the best of all instruments. That's all we need. And it's true and fantastic to hear. Something about that minimalism really just gives that mass that... that oomph, you know? Do you miss the organ music? Um, 
well, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, the, the Orthodox Mass is so different it makes up for it. It's a sensory onslaught, and it's meditative almost. Plus, I still play for the Anglican Mass before Orthodox Mass every Sunday, without fail. I couldn't leave them. They're such a wonderfully tight-knit community, I just prefer to worship in a different way now, you know? Shall we go up and see the organ? Oh. The, the whole thing was put in uh, uh, a few years, a couple of years after the whole place was built. I was really lucky as a student, actually. The church warden here, Ron Cutting, absolutely lovely man. Very proud of this church. He'd let me into practice on the organ here some mornings. It's a really uh, an invigorating way to start the day. As I understand it, there have been two organs in this church. The first was described by the National Pipe Organ Register as a very bad organ. <laughs> yes, I've heard that. Luckily for me, it got replaced by a better one in the 1860s. And then, about a century after that, it was repaired using bits of other organs. I like to call it the Frankenpiper when no one's around. <laughs> Could you play us out? Oh, gladly. <laughs> 